Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. The following program is a production of the Barroom Network. It is intended for all audiences. Doug Buffoon. This defense sucks. This is moronic. John Buffoon. Is Bill Lazor a good play caller, or is Matt Nagy such a bad play caller that it makes average look like Bill Walsh? Doug was behind the microphone first. He never held back. Very difficult to score when your offense is on the bench. When your defense is out there giving up 70, 80, 70, 64-yard drives. Now, it's his nephew, John. And there's no holding this buffoon back either. What the Bears are right now is what has been wrong with them for over 30 years. Just aim to be competitive and do your best to be average. And maybe we should just accept that. Because the front office sure as hell did. I don't mind you getting beat. I got my ass whipped many times. But I tell you, I took somebody down with me. The games have been close because the defense, your offense, which you came in to revolutionize, has gotten worse as the years go by. It's Buffone 55, the John Buffone Show. Welcome to another edition of Buffone 55, a fast-paced approach at breaking down those lovable Chicago Bears. I'm your host, John Buffone, and with me, as always, is my trusty co-host and producer, Alyssa Barbieri. Alyssa, how you doing? You, you over that disappointment yet again three weeks in a row? I mean, the Bears are on a three-game losing streak, but this is probably the best I felt after a loss, and I think that just kind of goes back to the Justin Fields of it all. But, I mean, are we really surprised? Matt Nagy or not, it's the same old Bears, not a good football team. I love that we have to gauge, well, we feel a little bit better after this loss than we did the other loss, and way better than the loss before that. We're setting the bar so low, but that's where we are as as Bears fans. But listen, we have a couple of great guests lined up to help us break down the Monday night showdown uh, between the Chicago, I couldn't even say it because I couldn't even believe it, uh, the Chicago Bears and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Alyssa, just in case, on the off chance, this is someone's first time ever watching or listening to this show, can you let us know how this works? Absolutely. So Buffon 55 has three segments, and we're actually going back to basics, and we're going to be starting out with our B55 segment. Yeah. That's when I ask John five questions, and his responses must be completed within 55 seconds. The 55 is John's way of paying tribute to the great Doug Buffon, his uncle, his mentor, and a man who played 15 seasons with the Bears and wore number 55. That's then followed by learning about the Bears' upcoming opponent from someone who follows them closely. We then finish things up by going into Buffon's basement, where we're going to have a Bears therapy session and let out all of that rage from last Sunday's game. So, John, are you ready to recap this misery? Going to need that therapy session, but yeah, I'm ready to go. Let's get this started. 
Bears lost their third game in a row after another uninspired loss to the 49ers. But unlike the past two games, the Bears were in a good position to win this game, but they still fell short. What was your biggest takeaway from this performance? Well, my, my biggest takeaway is that, once again, the Bears can't do the things that are necessary to win games against even average opponents. They have momentum in the first half before giving up a 50-yard pass that allows San Francisco to kick a field goal before halftime. They come out in the third quarter, drive down the field, and Cole Komet can't wrangle in a third-and-goal reception in the end zone. They get the 49ers in a third-and-twenty, and then they give up an 80-yard screenplay. They had every opportunity to take control of this game, but they just can't execute when it's necessary throw in the fact that the defense got manhandled and they were without Khalil Mack and Eddie Jackson it was just a typical demoralizing uninspired loss they never can put a full game together and the offense and defense never click at the same time it's like they have to decide whose turn it is to use the talent oh it's the offense's turn all right defense let's lay down it's getting to the point where it's not aggravating anymore it's just expected yeah, and I actually, during the game, I tweeted, why can't the Bears offense and defense just play well at the same time? Because we're so used to the Bears defense carrying this team. And then on the off chance, the offense shows a little bit of improvement. I mean, they were nowhere near great, but that's the best they've looked all season. And the defense just had a complete breakdown. But I think one of the biggest takeaways I have from this is the Bears just aren't a good football team. I mean, this season, we know that it's about developing Justin Fields where he's going to be. This is about the future. This is not about the present. They're not a contending team, no matter what Ryan Pace thinks, because him and Nate and Nagy are trying to save their jobs at this point. But this is just not a good football team because, you know, they should have beaten the 49ers. It was right there. They should have beaten the Packers. The game was right there, and they just haven't been able to do it. They're just not, like you said, I know it's like not hard-hitting analysis. I know it's not hot takey. They're just not good enough. There's what it's like, it's it's like, hey, guess what? You're not any good. And so that's basically what it comes down to. They're good enough to beat the Detroits of the world and they can scrape together a couple of handful of wins. Is that enough to save Matt Nagy's job? Uh, well, well, we'll have to see what the McCaskey family says at the end of the season. Oh God, I hope not. I don't know how much longer we can do this, John. I mean, we, we would like a positive episode once in a while that isn't the Lions. <laughs> one, one would be nice. Yeah, one. but you know, that's asking for a lot. That is. Uh, but speaking of Justin Fields, he had arguably his best game uh, as a Chicago Bear, throwing for 175 yards with a touchdown and also rushing for over 100 yards, including just an incredible athletic touchdown run on fourth and one. Let's address the elephant in the room. Matt Nagy wasn't on the sideline. Do you think that actually benefited Justin Fields? 55 seconds or on the clock? Yeah, I'm not going to beat around the bush on this one. Yeah, I think there is something to be said for not having that energy draining force on the sideline talking in your ear. Justin Fields looked like he was actually just out there playing football and he wasn't trying to be a pocket passer. And we actually saw him use his athleticism. They also used some play action. They moved the pocket. I don't care if Matt Nagy isn't technically playing calls. He finds ways to meddle within the game. And he wasn't even allowed to, to be on the sidelines in San Francisco, which opened things up i'm not trying to make it seem like it was a good thing that matt Nagy had covid i hope he's okay i hope he doesn't have any long-term complications but looking at justin fields on saturday do you really think that it was a coincidence that he looked his best when matt Nagy wasn't even in the stadium justin fields was the chicago bears quarterback on sunday not matt Nagy's quarterback and one of them has to go i think you know which one 
You know, like you said, it, I don't think it was a coincidence either. You could just tell the entire team, maybe the exception of the second, the second half defense just completely collapsed. You could tell they looked a little bit more at ease. Justin Fields was just able to go out there and, and play football. football. You know, it kind of reminded me of, you know, remember when we heard where Matt Nagy was telling Mitch Trubisky to kind of just stay in the pocket, you know, don't, don't use your legs, be a pocket quarterback. Right. And, Why? you know, I kind of, I know, and I, I kind of was hearkening back to that because you, we've seen Justin Fields over his, his previous starts where he just kind of is sitting back there too long, where he's overthinking things. And this was the first time where I think we just saw him kind of be himself and just go out and play football without having to worry about Nagy, like staring him down on the sidelines or, you know, going into Bill Lazor's ear, you know, all those design quarterback runs, like, oh my gosh, that was clear sign that Matt Nagy wasn't on the sidelines. So, I mean, we got a glimpse of what Justin Fields can be be like without Matt Nagy. And, you know, I think that should seal the deal, get Nagy out of here. They they used play action for their athletic quarterback. What a novel idea! Uh, what what that plan that game plan that ascended from the heavens to say use your quarterback's natural athleticism to get out of the pocket. He, like I've said before, when Matt Nagy's running this offense, it doesn't matter if it's Mitch Trubisky, it doesn't matter if it's Nick Foles, it doesn't matter if it's Andy Dalton, it doesn't matter if it's Justin Fields. They do the same damn thing every time. It doesn't matter if it's a statue or if it's Justin Fields. If it's Nick Foles who wears cement shoes back there or it's Justin Fields, it doesn't matter. They do. They run the same damn thing all the time. And now I'm like I said, I hope Matt Nagy's okay. I'm not trying to say that it's good that he has COVID. But what I'm saying is when he's not there, they're allowed to play football and not Nagy ball. And I think that that's a big improvement. Yeah, like like you said, I hope I hope he's okay and everything. But I know the Bears did lose on Sunday, but that's like the best I felt. It was felt the defense's fault. It, it was, was the, the defense's fault. fault. It was the defense's fault. And Justin Fields actually put them in a position to win, which is you, what you want to see, what he should be doing for the next decade plus. And that's because, you know, Matt Nagy wasn't on the sideline. I fully believe that. He didn't have him breathing down his neck. He could just go out there and play football. And the, the sooner, sooner Nagy's out of here, the sooner we can all move on. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's a calming presence when you don't see your head coach buried in a Denny's menu trying to decide between the Grand Slam and the moon over Miami. That's what basically what it comes down to every single week. I don't know. We got to see that. Oh, another delay of game. Oh, an, un- an, un- an unnecessary timeout. Oh, sorry. That's that's. I know it's comical and I know that we're poking fun at it, but it's literally what happens all the time. So it's 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 almost like we have to make fun of it or we're going to cry over it. You know he was at home, or sorry, at that whatever undisclosed location he was because he wouldn't tell anybody. You know he was there with his Denny menu, writing notes down and everything. Like, he was totally coaching. He's such a control freak. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So despite some reports that the Bears were going to have an aggressive mindset at the trade deadline, hmm, they hibernated and will finish out the season with their current roster. Tell me, John, did you want the Bears to be buyers or sellers, or did you want them to just stay put? The clock starts when you do. Uh, honestly, I kind of wanted them to be sellers. Let's do a quick audit of the Chicago Bears, shall we? They're an average team at best. They're an aging team. In fact, they're the oldest team in the league with an average age of around 27 years old. They also don't have a lot of draft capital. So to recap the state of the Bears, they're not good, they're old, and they have limited draft assets. 
is there a less ideal situation? I thought that needing someone needing a defensive lineman might give up a fourth or fifth rounder for Akeem Hicks. I thought someone needing a backup quarterback or a spot starter might inquire about Andy Dalton or Nick Foles. I thought maybe a wide receiver thirsty team like New Orleans or Baltimore might part with a second or third rounder for Allen Robinson, which really wouldn't be bad for a guy that I don't anticipate even being in Chicago next year. But Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, they're on the verge of being fired. So why would they create cap space for the next administration it really doesn't surprise me at all that they just stood still apparently we don't even have a clock for this question anymore so i'm just keep talking they yeah they stood still and maybe they weren't buyers because someone from above said hey you're not selling any more of our stuff off or buying any more stuff you're just gonna go ahead and play out the season and we're gonna let somebody else make these decisions next year there, I don't understand why Nick Foles is still on this roster. There's just no excuse for it. Nobody wants that contract. It's they got they like they have all these veteran guys. Not Nick Foles, but like you said, Allen Robinson and Akeem Hicks, who are not going to be here next year. You might as well try to get something. But like you said, you know they're on the hot seat. They're they're fighting for their jobs right now. So it doesn't help them to get rid of some of the better veterans on the team. And at this point, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, unfortunately, are doing what's best for Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace and not what's best for the Chicago Bears. And it's just really infuriating. There's a change of pace, all puns intended. (laughs) So like we said earlier, the Bears are on a three-game losing streak. So obviously, if they fall to the Steelers on Monday night, that would make it four in a row. John, if that happens, how far can you see this Bears team falling? Good luck fitting this response into 55 seconds. Go. Well, I don't even know if we have a clock. Well, every time we think there is a floor, Matt Nagy and his three-ring circus find a way to fall just a little bit further. But if they do lose to the Steelers, that's four in a row. Then they'll lose to Baltimore. And if, if they would lose to Detroit on Thanksgiving, that would be two straight years that the Chicago Bears go on six-game losing streak. But wait, there's more. If they lose to Detroit, then they follow up with Arizona and Green Bay. So if they lose to the Steelers, they could be in the middle of an eight-game losing streak. But even if they beat Detroit on Thanksgiving, they'll probably still lose to Arizona and Green Bay. So they will have lost seven of eight. So if they lose this game, the floodgates might not just open. They could explode. And we keep asking, what would it take for Matt Nagy to get fired in the middle of the season? Would an eight-game losing losing streak probably do it (laughs) guys probably not what about losing six of the last eight which at this point i think i'm just happy that they can't finish eight and eight and then we just kind of chalk it off to oh hey you know they didn't have a losing record right so you know and they're such great guys up there matt nagy and ryan pace you know we like that winning football culture that they have you know we can't win football games but winning culture (laughs) There is none. So, I mean, I think at that point, when you look at the schedule, like they could easily lose the last, the final six or seven of, or sorry, you lose six or seven of the last eight games here. Detroit on Thanksgiving is probably like the one saving grace. But I mean, this is, I mean, it could get pretty ugly. I mean, we thought that six game losing streak is ugly. At least they had those easy games at the end of last season to kind of be like, oh, hey, but look how nicely they rebounded, right? Yeah. Oh, that coach and that GM's got them in a good place. When they fell ass backwards into that new playoff spot they created just for the Bears, basically, where they're just that like, the oh, we're going to lose. We're gonna lose out. But hey, Arizona lost too. So we get to go to the playoffs and get smoked in the first round. Congratulations. So uh, it's, it's, It's frustrating because remember at the end of the year last year, they mandated improvement. They mandated progress. They're going to probably lose more games this year than they did last year. 
What progress? Why is everything, all of the expectations for this franchise are subjective. They never quantify anything. It's never playoffs or bust or division or bust or Super Bowl or bust. It's always like, well, we are, we got to keep fighting and we got to show that we got a, we got a good culture and we got to make sure everyone's on the same page and we got to find the why. And we had a great week of practice and all this other word soup that we're constantly guzzling down after each and every game. It's just, there's never any actual standard. It's always just like, well, we got to go back and look and see what we did wrong. Listen, if you don't know what you're doing wrong after four years, I'm not sure you're ever going to figure it out. The thing that makes the most sense when you look at this season and what ultimately is going to transpire is that Matt Nagy and Brian Pace should be gone. Like both of them should be gone. But I know we we don't trust them as Caskies to make the right move here. And I, I mean, if that is the case, what are they going to lean on in that in that post the postseason press conference? Oh, that 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 playoff spot they made. Oh, they finished eight and eight again. Matt Nagy's record, the the, the culture, what culture? there's a very good chance that they lose double, they're going to lose double digit games. So, I mean, that'll be interesting to see, you know, you hope that this is the year where they finally four years is enough, but you could just as easily see the McCaskies just finding a way to defend them. Listen, I've said this numerous times. So if you're a, uh, if you're a long time listener, you're tired of hearing it. If you're a first time listener, the Chicago bears are run like a family diner. Matt Nagy is your cousin who can't even cook a grilled cheese, but you got to keep him in the back because he's such a nice guy and he, he needs a job and he's falling on rough times. And you know, it's this, this is run like it's a mom and pop store, not a multi-billion dollar franchise that's been around for a hundred years. And it's basically a flagship team of the league but you got a guy coaching who like I said last night on the bear debate if Matt Nagy got fired today would he even sniff a coordinator job next year in the NFL no who's letting him call plays for anyone next year and that's the guy that's your head coach a guy that's probably going to have to be a quarterback's coach or a quality control coach or assistant head coach or go down to the college ranks he won't even sniff an offensive coordinator job next year but he's going to remain your head coach. I think I've failed in a lot of different ways. Person that would uh, pick him up. <laughs> I was like, what was that? He hijacked us. Oh no, again. I was going to say the only person that, was gonna, that would hire Matt Nagy would probably be Andy Reid or, or maybe Eric Bieniemy. Like that, that, that's it because it's Take like this him. blind allegiance. But I mean, like you said, he, shouldn't, he wouldn't be coaching in the league. So All yours. <laughs> Man, we gotta be we gotta be on our toes. Okay. So John, you have a little more riding on this game than usual. You're originally from Pittsburgh, and you have been guaranteeing a Bears win over the Steelers since July. I don't want any time constraints on this one. Tell us why this game means so much to you. Okay, first and foremost, I do not hate the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are one of the best, if not the best, run franchises in all of football. They have had Three coaches in 52 years. Chuck Knoll, Bill Cowher, Mike Tomlin. They are a model of consistency. Hell, Mike Tomlin's been there for, what, 14 years and has never had a losing season? So I'm not going to be like some of these other fan bases and be like, oh, the Steelers suck, because that's nonsense. However, like you said, I grew up near Pittsburgh. Most of my friends are Steelers fans. Hell, most of my family are Steelers fans. And the only thing that is keeping them from constantly shredding me apart is the fact that the Bears are 3-0 and against Pittsburgh since 2009. They beat the Steelers in 2009, 2013, and 2017. Mind you, 
not one of those Bears teams ended up with a winning record. That 2017 team, you might remember, went 5-11. and Mike Glennon was the starting quarterback, and the Bears beat the Steelers in overtime. I tend to remember these matchups a lot more than any other games, but this is the one shred of leverage I have in a Bears-Steelers debate. I can't fall back on having six Super Bowl rings. I can't fall back on franchise stability. I can't I can't fall back on Hall of Fame quarterbacking. I can't even fall back on playoff wins. This is the only card I have to play. The only card I have is recent head-to-head matchups. So if the Bears get shellacked, if they get throttled, if they get boat raced at Heinz Field in primetime on national TV, while I'm in the stadium, there are going to be four years of calls, texts, emails, memes, and reminders that the Steelers are at the top of the class and the Chicago Bears are one step above a traveling circus. So Matt Nagy, Justin Fields, Khalil Mack, I don't ask for much, but just this once. Help me out. We'll be back with more Buffone 55 after this. to Buffon 55. Now it's time to learn a little bit more about the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I'm going to kick it back over to John to bring in our guests. John, take it away. Thank you, Alyssa. Like we said earlier, I'm thrilled to have two of the hosts of the Yenzers podcast back in the barroom. Please welcome in Morgan Erso and Jordan DeFizio. Morgan, Jordan, thanks for being on. Great to see you again. How are we doing? What is up? Great. Thanks for having us. us. Excited to see you again. We're thrilled to have you back on. Thrilled to have you back on. We're thrilled to learn a little bit about the Pittsburgh. Wow, that's that's. See, I am yeah, down I there. The van's so still popping, John. <laughs> you are ready for Monday, Pittsburgh. I like the sound yeah. of that. Minka Fitzpatrick loves the sound of that. I, I I can't get the Western PA out of myself. The Pittsburgh it never Steelers leaves, unfortunately. It yeah. does not. No, it does not. But we are we are really. Uh, excited to learn a little bit more about the Steelers because they only play each other about once every four years and the Bears mm-hmm. have had some pretty good success they I think they're I think up like 21 to 7 in the overall series against the Steelers but that's not to say that they have long-lasting success over other teams so I want to learn a little bit about this team as they are right now Morgan I'm going to start with you the Steelers had some up and down expectations reg- t- regarding the fan base some thought Ben's last season, they got to go all in. This is the, they can turn it around. They went 11 and 0 last year, kind of faded out at the end. Other fans said, why are they bringing Ben back? What are they doing? This team is on the rebuild. 
with their record right now, where they stand in the AFC North and the AFC in general, what are the expectations in Pittsburgh? Because they're looking up at Baltimore and Cincinnati's not a joke and they handled Cleveland last week, but as a tough division. The expectation in Pittsburgh is always win. There will never be a rebuild in the city of Pittsburgh, at least not if it's up to the Steelers. So you're looking at a team that brought back Ben for the last ride, the final ride. They won't say that, but that's the assumption among the fan base is that this is Ben's last year. So let's throw everything at him to to give him every single weapon he needs to win. Now, did they do that? No, you look at this offensive line and they are weak on every single position on that line, especially center, which arguably is the most important. Um, they've, they've grown. I've seen more stability in them, especially in uh, run blocking in the past several games. Um, the offensive scheme has kind of changed in the past three games. So we've seen a lot more success in the run game. The pass protection is pathetic I'm, i'll just be honest with you it's pathetic we run a lot of empty backfield and when we run a lot of empty backfield ben takes hits he gets sacked there is no protection the, the right tackle and left tackle positions are exceptionally weak so did we set ben up for success in his in this final run this last ride with ben no we didn't we've also seen a ton of injuries with significant players tyson alawalu juju smith schuster we are out guys who make a huge difference but you look at this defense and you just have to tell yourself like they've always got a chance when they have a defense like this. When you have Cam Hayward up front, when you have TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith on the outside, you've always got a chance. And Jordan, I'm going to kick it over to you. So the Steelers were one of the few teams that were actually active ahead of the NFL trade deadline, dealing Melvin Ingram to the Chiefs. You know, Ingram reportedly had requested to be traded in Pittsburgh obliged. What went wrong between Ingram and the Steelers? I think he lied or was dishonest with himself about what he was okay with his role being on the team because the expectation was set from the beginning that our, our linebacker core was pretty solid and TJ and Alex were the guys he was coming in to be a depth piece and he would kind of be supplementary to them and allow them to, take some snaps off, whatever. That that was the base understanding when they signed him. And I think whenever that finally played itself out, he didn't like it. I think that he was maybe hopeful or even just kind of under the assumption that he would beat out Alex Highsmith, definitely not TJ, but maybe Alex for, for that starting position. And when he realized that wasn't going to happen, he thought, oh, shoot, I need to make sure I get out and onto a different team before the trade deadline. Otherwise, I'm going to be stuck here either not playing at all or playing very minimally. And I just don't think he was okay with that. And I'm not sure why that happened it's very confusing and i'm personally super disappointed that it played out the way that it did not even necessarily because he was making a huge impact with the team he was providing a lot of depth down that linebacker position but it's unfortunate that he left on those terms and that all we got for him was a draft pick because they brought him in to help now. And what they got in return was 
something in the future. I don't know. It was it was a very interesting situation that seemingly came out of left field. I don't think anybody was really expecting it. So whenever reports did come out that he was upset, everybody's general consensus was what? Why? He knew what he was signing up for. So it, I don't know. It, it, Mike Tomlin always says that they want volunteers, not hostages. So the fact that he didn't want to be here, okay, you're go have fun in Kansas City, but they're not doing very well. Uh, so yeah, yeah, good luck. I got to ask both of you this question because I listened to your show this week and normally we wait till the end of the segment to talk about special teams, but I got to talk about Chris uh, Boswell and that fake field goal. So I want, and I know that neither one of you are very happy with not just that play call, but obviously how it played out. And for the Bears fans mm -hmm. listening, Chris Boswell uh, rolled out on a fake field goal and got a penalty, by the way. It should have been called a penalty, but absolutely got lit up and I believe is in concussion protocol. I want to hear both of your thoughts on this. We'll start with Morgan and then Jordan jump in, but uh, I want to hear your thoughts, not only on that play call, but are the, are the Steelers going to be without Boswell against the bears? I mean, can we go back to when you were like gassing us up and talking about how we're this great <laughs> franchise and my Thomas <laughs> amazing. Like, why do we have to talk about this? Um, I hated it. I hated everything about it. I am going to go into a deep depression just talking about it again. But listen, Mike Tomlin has taken a lot of heat this year for not going on it on fourth and inches, fourth and one, not trusting his quarterback or his offense to get one single yard to convert a fourth mm -hmm. down. So then you decide, Mike Tomlin, in a game that you know is going to be close mm -hmm. because it's the Browns who are finally good out of seemingly nowhere. Um, you know it's going to be a close game. You know it's a rivalry. Take the points dude take the points i understand you're pissed that people are saying you have no balls for not going for it on fourth and inches fourth and one so you're going to go for it on what fourth and seven and fake a field goal with 90 pounds of chris boswell i don't understand it i'll never understand it and then the more infuriating thing i don't know if i can say more infuriating but just as infuriating the stupid NFL officials who show zero consistency in the face of any anything ever decide to not call a late hit roughing the passer on Chris Boswell, who, like John said, is now in concussion protocol mm -hmm. and very likely may not play on Monday and is top three in history as far as field goal accuracy goes. You're going to risk one of the best kickers mm -hmm. in the league on an offense that doesn't successfully get into the end zone on every drive. It makes little to no sense to me. If you're going to fake it, like maybe put like Presley Harvin in there. At least he could have run one in. My God. Yeah, he had the ball for it. Exactly. <laughs> He's our thicker kicker. <laughs> Jordan jumped in because I know you had some choice words about this to, <laughs> to, to, uh, to put I, it lightly. Yeah, yeah I was not – not very happy and expressed a lot of what uh, what Morgan just said honestly I it was just mind-boggling that call to all of a sudden find the courage somewhere within him to make this gutsy play that just totally disintegrated before it even started so it was just and I think that's I I know that 
Mike Tomlin is not Matt Nagy. So I'm not I'm not comparing them, <laughs> but Mike Tomlin just because he has a history of no losing seasons in Pittsburgh does not mean that he is not incredibly frustrating a lot of the time because sure no losing seasons haven't really done much in the playoffs over the better part of the last decade like let's be real and we're talking about recent history with the bears beating the steelers all that really matters is what's happening right now and the steelers have been an incredibly frustrating team to watch over the the last couple years based on things happening with players and personnel and coaching decisions and you talked about how you felt really good after a loss. We often are like, we feel like garbage after a win because we're like, they didn't look good. What was that? They looked like a high school team out there that got that lucked their way into a victory. And that's why they're not doing anything in the playoffs. It's a, it's a team whose coaching feels more like a gamble than actual strategy. And that is what was so frustrating about that fake kick was what? No rhyme or reason to it. It it didn't benefit them to try to go for it to get the first down because it's not like it was fourth and goal. They still had a they still had a first that they needed to get. But all of those times that they sent the punt, the punt team out on the field, fourth and inches, this is the time you choose to go for it. And of course, if if it had worked out in this marvelous, wonderful, perfect hypothetical universe, sure, maybe people would feel differently about it. But the the percentage of that actually working with a team that rarely ever goes for it and rarely even more rare fakes fourth conversions like. Yeah. I, I, that's all I'll say. It was very confusing and frustrating and only made worse by the fact that now we don't know when we're getting our one and only kicker back. And that eliminates an entire part of our game that, all right, great. What's going to happen now? And we did bring in a, a kicker just in case we did mm -hmm. Lambo. We're real pumped about him. I, At least it's I not Cody Parkey. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say, at least if, it's not Josh Scoby. I was gonna say, if you're listening to the audio version of this, uh, that wasn't said with a lot of confidence. <laughs> and, and Jordan, to your point, real quick on a follow up, you talk. We were talking about you know, the, the Bears' recent success against the Steelers. That's also been a knock against Mike Tomlin. Is that when the Steelers are the better team, sometimes they play down to competition. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you have noticed in in in, uh, in recent games, or maybe not even this year, but in re years past that? The bear or the bears, the Steelers do play down to their opponents sometimes. I I don't necessarily know if that's what's specifically happening. I think that there is a mentality that's kind of perpetuated within the Steelers locker room that games are a given because you talk, you hear all of this nonsense about Steelers culture, the Steeler way. Never a losing season. Blah, 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 blah. They go on and on and on forever about how successful the Steelers have been in the past. And I think that that enables 
a, a mentality of eh, we're the Steelers and that's it. It's just like, okay, but you, you're in, you're playing a professional football team. Not this is you. Well, with the exception of the bears um, <laughs> who are like a Mac team, it, it just, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that they ever, tangibly say like yeah we don't have to try this week but that's something that people in Pittsburgh and fans of the Steelers say all the time they play down to their competition and it and I think the the closest we've ever heard of that actually being accurate or at least the Steelers breezing past opponents is in it was the 2017-2018 playoff matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they were already talking about playing rematching the Patriots in the AFC Championship. I was like, what, do, you, do you remember how much you suck against Jacksonville, no matter where you're playing, no matter how good they are? They're in the playoffs now, and you're already looking ahead to maybe playing the Patriots? It because of this Jesse James situation, how about you take a couple steps back and play the team that you're playing this week before you're already dreaming up what's going to happen in the AFC championship. I think that it's a lot of just entitlement expectations because people think so highly of the Steelers. They're like, oh, yeah, we're good. We're the Steelers. It's fine. Meh. <laughs> And Morgan, I want to talk a little bit about Ben Roethlisberger, who is entering, he's in his 18th season with the Steelers. And I want to know kind of like, how has he looked this year? We kind of talked about this potentially being his last ride, most likely. And what do you think the Steelers are going to do at quarterback if Ben does not return? You know, listen, he's 39 years old and he's not on the TV 12 diet. Like we all know that <laughs> Ben Roethlisberger is not in peak physical health. But so we're looking at a Ben who's not doing like big Ben things. He's not rolling out and extending plays and he's not super mobile. He looks like it hurts to run. Um, but his arm accuracy has been monumentally improved from last season and his deep ball is monumentally improved from last season. Couple that with a new offensive coordinator and the ability to kind of use some creativity to play to Ben's strengths. We're seeing play action out of Ben that we never saw last year. We're seeing the run pass option. We're seeing some jet sweeps, some reverses, some real creativity that is playing to Ben's strengths. Ben is really good at getting the ball out super fast, which is – you know, great when you have an offensive line that can't block worth anything. Um, so I'm not going to say Ben's in like Super Bowl shape, but I think that he is more than serviceable and he is more than just a game manager still at this mm -hmm. point. Do I think that he's going to be our quarterback next year? I'm not going to say I'm not going to say it's definitive that this is it for him. I'm not going to say it because he has been doing enough to make stuff happen. I also know that Mike Tomlin has been very vocal about not wanting to work with a rookie quarterback. 
So that takes the draft entirely out of it, at least for a starting quarterback, at least for Big Ben's replacement. The only avenues that I can see the Steelers taking, if this is Ben's last ride, if this is it with Ben, we either bring in a veteran. A lot of Steelers fans are looking at guys like Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, thinking like that's going to happen. I know that would just, you know, we would be best friends. Like that would Please. be great. I make oh, your life easier. He makes yes. my life easier. Yeah. It would be wonderful. Let's, let's, let's make a deal, Morgan. Come on. The Steelers don't spend money like that. Like, not on guys, aging guys who aren't going to come in and be with the franchise for a significant amount of time. They spent money like that on TJ Watt because he will spend his mm -hmm. entire life at, as a football player as a Steeler. Like, that's just what – that's who they invest in. Mike Tomlin says they build from the draft. But it's contradictory because he doesn't want to work with a rookie quarterback. So we're either mm -hmm. looking at a situation where you're bringing in a Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers and somehow Kevin Colbert convinces the Rooney family to spend that cash on a free agent quarterback. Or we're looking at a couple years or at least a year with Mason Rudolph slash Dwayne Haskins. And uh, I don't know if I want that life. You don't. No, I don't. I'll be honest you, with you. Uh, you don't want that uncertainty at quarterback, uh, especially coming from the lens of a Bears fan where you had it for, we've had it for what, was it, Alyssa, uh, 75 years, 80? Uh, yeah, uh, but it, yeah. <laughs> Never have had a 4,000-yard passer, no Hall of Famer. Sid Luckman was good, but that, that was – Still don't have 200 net passing yards through eight weeks either. <laughs> no, no, which, you know, details, minor details. They're only statistics. Who cares? Uh, but speaking of things that are making Ben's life better, Jordan, Najee Harris has been a big shot in the arm to this team. The Steelers had a big problem running the ball the last year. They bring in Najee, and all of a sudden he is a workhorse catching the ball, running the ball. What can Bears fans expect on Monday night when Najee Harris gets the rock? I think they can expect to get knocked around a good bit. He's a super physical dude. He just does not care what's in front of him. He will fight for every single yard. And I I feel like we yeah, we definitely have been hard on the offensive line because they sucked so much at the beginning of the season and there's still some issues there, but in watching the game against Cleveland on Sunday, they're getting better. And especially, maybe not at protecting a 39-year-old quarterback in the pocket for an infinite amount of time, but they're, they're starting to develop some chemistry and figure out how to create holes and separation. And Najee's vision is just incredible. He he can see things before they happen and he will absolutely take advantage of any and all mistakes made by the bears front seven. He, he did that a ton on Sunday and as he gets more comfortable, he's only going to become more dangerous. And I think that he's really starting to settle into himself. Now I, I think that the Steelers are trying to give him some some room to breathe a little bit because he is su such a workhorse. He is really physical, and they were running him ragged 
to start. But I think now that they're finding more of a balance on the offense, hopefully what what we will see as Steelers fans is him taking advantage of mistakes and and opportunities on the ground to then open up the the air for Ben Roethlisberger. But I think that I think that the Bears are going to have a, a difficult time maintaining him because he is he's fast, he's smart, and he's physical. So he's really difficult to to slow down. I mean, he threw Jadavion Clowney to the ground with a single arm. We're talking about Clowney. Like, this is not some dude that you think you can just push around. It takes five guys mm-hmm. consistently to get him to the ground, and even then, and sometimes it doesn't work. He is a monster. He's a monster. This is certainly encouraging, especially given the Bears. The Bears defense <laughs> has given up over 140 rushing yards the last three games. So anyone who has Najee Harris on your fantasy team, you got to start him on Monday night. Yeah. Yeah, I feel great. I feel so great. Uh, Guys, we're so saying all of this. Don't don't get discouraged. It is this it's the Steelers. And you know Yeah, you never know which team's gonna show up when it comes to the Steelers. It might well, the, be <laughs> the, great. The it is, might oof. the problem, Jordan, is we know which Bears team is going to show That's up. That's it. So. Yes. <laughs> Any given Sunday or Monday. Oh, you don't have yeah. to gas us up. It's fine. <laughs> Trying to be nice. That's fine. I I know it's a Bears podcast, but you don't have to be nice to us. It's fine. (laughs) Uh, So, Morgan, let's start with the receiving court. Uh, Juju Smith Schuster obviously done for the season after having shoulder surgery. You know, so who has stood out in the Steelers receiving court and how they look so far? You look at a guy like Deontay Johnson, and his season last year was marred with drops. He just he couldn't cut it. He couldn't fix it last season. This year, he has fully remedied his drop issue. I don't think he has a single drop. If he has any, he has one. He is Ben's favorite target. He uh, isn't the most physical receiver. And that's the one knock on him that I will complain about week in and week out is I want him to be more physical. I want him to be the guy who when there's a yard left, instead of running out of bounds, so he doesn't get hit you know, pulls a juju and fights for that extra yardage. I haven't seen that out of him yet. You look at a guy like Chase Claypool, who has all the, what, like the physical aspects, the power, the weapons in the world personally, but he's not making the contested catches. He's not winning the 50 fifties. Last week was a staunch improvement on the week prior to that for Chase Claypool. You're going to see a lot of him in the slot, especially with Juju being out, especially with how we've been running some two tight end sets. Um, Claypool does well in the slot. He's he's big, he's strong, he's athletic. Um, and when he's not drawing PIs on the outside, you know, he's reliable in the slot. Um, and then, you know, James Washington, we all argue about how we would like to see him involved more. Unfortunately, that's just not been the case. Uh, Tomlin says it's personnel matchups, things like that. I don't know that that's necessarily true. He did draw a disgustingly annoying penalty last week that called back a 17-yard gain from Anthony McFarland on a uh, jet sweep. So infuriating there. Um I'd say Deontay Johnson is the guy. He's the guy right now. He's the number one right now. We have talked a lot about struggles at offensive line on 
both teams. And that's obviously been a sticking point with the Chicago Bears this year as well, not being able to protect Justin Fields as he is still one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the NFL. That being said, Jordan, what can Bears fans expect out of the pass rush of this Pittsburgh Steelers? Is Justin Fields mm-hmm. potentially in for another long day, sacked nine times against the Cleveland Browns, and so you would, yeah, you get some a team that you guys are very familiar with. Uh, is there a potential for a feeding frenzy for this Pittsburgh defensive line? I'm not gonna say that they're. That's a given, because. The past, well, with the exception of the game against Cleveland, because they did do well against the run and they they contained Baker Mayfield pretty well, they've not been what they could be against attacks on the ground. Like they they let Alex Collins rip them up against in, in the game against Seattle, and they. It's very hit or miss because we're missing Tyson Alawalu right now. We're missing Stefan Tuitt right now. Um, TJ Watt obviously is never not a threat. And I think that when he's on the field, it's just dangerous for everybody. And then Cam Hayward, honestly, is having a career year. I I think that he sh- his name should be in the conversation for defensive player of the year just because of how well he's playing. And between him and TJ and Alex Highsmith, there's always that potential that they're going to just be putting relentless pressure on the quarterback. But because just I, I watched the play when he scrambled and missed tackles and then ran it in for a touchdown, like he's not just your run of the mill Baker Mayfield. Like he's, he's going to be a really good quarterback in the league and it's because he can run and throw. And the fact that he himself got over 100 yards on the ground last week it makes me nervous for the Steelers' defense because something that, for whatever reason, they seem to struggle with is following through on tackles. And it drives me absolutely bonkers. They just seem to have this expectation that if they make contact with a player, that's where their job ends. And they're just going to, the sheer force of running into their body is going to knock them to the ground. And typically they just bounce right off and keep going. And it's super frustrating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's there. I mean, the Steelers are not this like perfect utopia. They have some issues and I, I, I don't feel as confident playing the bears as I think you probably expected us to feel because Justin Fields is really good. And yeah, your offensive line may not be great, but you have a mobile quarterback who can work with that. And we, we still are dealing with some pretty hefty losses in the front seven due to injury. So I, I don't know. I, I would not chalk that up as a, as a guaranteed thing that we're going to sack just like the, this year, for instance, was saw the end of our like 1000 game sack streak. I don't remember what the actual name, the actual uh, number was, but 
this was the year that broke the sack streak for us. It was a ton of games in a row. Like it was dating back like three or four years. It was something ridiculous that we had a sack in every 76. single game. 76. 76 uh, yeah. Didn't happen this year. So uh, I, I don't think that it's going to be as much of a bloodbath as you might think it's going to be. And, and I'll add on to what Jordan said. Like, we face Lamar Jackson twice a year. This defense mm-hmm. is used to facing dual threat quarterbacks. And inevitably you would think that they would, you know, be able to figure out how to be more impactful against a dual threat quarterback. And we haven't seen that growth. Mm-hmm. Um, I echo what Jordan said about with, especially with to it out. To it yeah. was really good against Lamar Jackson. Historically, he just has been. Um, that's a big loss in in a mm-hmm. in a defense that kind of struggles against a dual threat QB. Oh no, you're giving us hope. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like Oops. it at all. Uh, <laughs> nope. So Jordan. <laughs> Jordan, pretty much the only thing that the Bears offense has been successful with uh, has been running the ball, whether it's Justin Fields finding the ground for the first time really uh, last Sunday or Khalil Herbert in place of, of uh, David Montgomery. So can do you think Chicago can continue to define, can continue to find that success against the Steelers? If last week is an indicator of how this week is going to go, I don't want to – I don't think that they're going to be as successful as they have been because the Steelers shut down Nick Chubb, who is a really prolific running back. He And granted, he's behind a, a much better offensive line, so there is that. But I, I think that the Steelers can shut down the run game when – when they decide to, because they, they did, I was, I was most nervous about how they were going to do against Nick Chubb last week. Not so much Baker Mayfield because they just have been so hot and cold with stopping the run. Um, The, the thing that does make me nervous is that Justin Fields again is mobile. So it's not just the running back. They have to watch out for it's the quarterback too. And you, when you throw that, you pepper it into the mix, like Morgan was saying, they just have not really found a consistent way to shut that down yet. And it may be because they have very uh, impactful injuries. I don't know, but it, it is also a primetime game. I don't know if that makes a difference that sometimes they play better under the lights. Sometimes they play worse, but I, I'm anticipating maybe, maybe you'll see a bit of a dip in production on the ground, but I don't think that the Steelers are going to completely shut down the run game. I think that that's, that's probably where the Chicago offense is really going to see that's where they're going to do the most damage is on the ground. Probably would be my guess. And and that being said, Morgan, the Bears rank last in the league in explosive pass plays. So that being said, is there any hope 
that the Bears could potentially get some explosive pass plays against this secondary in Pittsburgh, or is it going to be another one of those, we got a nickel and dime our way down the field? Any hope for some explosive pass plays against the Steelers? Absolutely. Um, I'll go out. I'll just come out and say it. Minka Fitzpatrick has not been playing like himself this year. Um, Trey or Terrell Edmonds, my bad, not his brother, Trey. Terrell Edmonds has been, um, you've seen less busted coverage from him this year than ever before, which is amazing. Um, saw some frustrating things from him last week. The one thing I will say about the secondary lately is they've just been a little bit inconsistent. It's hard to know mm-hmm. what you're going to get out of them unless you're looking at a guy like Trey Norwood, who has been phenomenal for us in the secondary. Um, you just kind of don't know what you're going to get. Last week against the Browns, Minka was the guy who came in and effectively ended that game, and it was so great to see him finally kind of shut people up because people have been very – critical of him this year and rightfully so like Jordan said with those those tackling mistakes Minka has made several and it's been very Mm -hmm. out of character it's not what we're used to with him at all um the secondary is kind of an an anomaly with this team the first half against the Browns they were virtually non-existent I don't know where they were what they were doing whatever but you know the second half they came in and made their presence known so and, and I will say that's not the first time that the secondary has effectively ended a game this year. We saw it when Pierre intercepted. Was that in the Seahawks game? Was it Geno Smith? Who did he intercept to win that game? I don't even remember. Yeah, I, I think so. I think it was the Seahawks game. The secondary has yeah, been, been, yeah, has come up big uh, at the end of games. So um, I'm not going to knock them, but there is absolutely a chance for just some absolute busted coverage in this Steelers secondary. They are 100% mm-hmm. the shakiest part of that defense. Okay, so before we let you go, I know I think I know where John stands. He's been saying that the Bears are going to beat the Steelers <laughs> on Monday it. night since July. I don't know if that's still the case, especially after listening <laughs> to what Jordan and Morgan have to say, but... I mean, so ladies, before we let you go, give us your early prediction for Monday night's game. Um, as confident as us. That's a, lot, that's a lot more difficult than I thought it was going to be. Wow. I think, okay, so I think coming off of a win against Cleveland that was a pretty big game, it had some – it had a lot of implications and things riding on it, especially after the way that the season ended last year against Cleveland at home. I think with the extra day of uh, in between games, the fact that it's a Monday night game at home, uh, they're wearing their color rush jerseys, which gives them special superpowers. (laughs) I think it's going to be a close game. Maybe, maybe even a little bit closer than the Browns uh, game last week. But I do think that the Steelers are going to pull out a win. Um, I think it'll probably be similar to the game against Seattle. Maybe a final score of Steelers. I I don't know, like Steelers twenty. Bears 14, something in Jordan, that. you stole my score. Literally oh! stole my score. <laughs> it seems I mean, that just means it's going to happen. 
That's just yeah. that just means that's what's going to happen. Averaging fourteen points a game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say um, thirteen twenty Steelers. Uh, okay. Yeah, so. I'm going to be at I'm going to be at that game Monday night, and I'm going to be surrounded by Steelers fans, and I I fully know what to expect. I'm not one of those obnoxious fans. I'm a very quiet observer. Internally, I'm falling apart, but I'm expecting a very, a very similar game from what you're talking. Yeah. I save it for here. I I bottle that all up until I come here. Uh, So I I am also expecting a very kind of a sloppy game to start off with where there's a lot of busted plays or turnovers. And I think that's the only chance the bears really have to make this a game is if they can get some turnovers, muddy it up a little bit, do that thing where they love to, you know, take control of time of possession, even though they don't score, uh, just kind of just drain the clock out and maybe win a, uh, a close game. I have to pick the bears because I've been saying they're going to beat the Steelers for about seven months now. So I, I need this. I need this win. I'm right. I, I have a lot riding on this, but I completely understand your predictions as well. Uh, before we get, we, before we kick y'all out of here, I want to know, and I want you to tell our listeners and viewers how they can listen, read your stuff. We love, the Yinzers podcast. We love listening to your stuff. So Jordan, we'll start with you. Yeah, go ahead and plug away anything you got to plug. Boom. All right. Well, yeah, obviously Yinzers, we're, uh, we're dropping episodes every Tuesday at 2 p.m. So just subscribe, follow, listen, like all that good stuff. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Fidge Newton. My handle's right there. I also have my own podcast, Helmet Hair. And I drink beer and talk about Pittsburgh sports, all of them. And I recently came on the Steelers Wire, actually, as a writer. So I'm trying to find my footing there and get uh, yeah. get comfortable and cozy because it's been a minute since I've been doing that. But I, I will be settling in and, and getting some stuff out there in that medium as well. So, yeah, I'm just kind of kicking it all over the place. Excellent. Morgan, go ahead. Um, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Tokyo XMO handle right there. Like Jordan said, we drop episodes every Tuesday, uh, 2 PM Eastern on Apple music or Apple podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, you can check us out there. I'm not writing anymore. Jordan is the prolific writer slash everything. We just follow in her shadow. So, um, I guess, you know, catch me on Twitter, choosing violence every single day. <laughs> Love to hear it. Jordan DeFigio, Morgan Erzo of the Yenzers Podcast. Everybody, please give them a listen, read their right and listen to their stuff. They're fantastic. Hey, we appreciate you so much coming in, breaking down the Steelers. We hope to talk to you down the road. Thanks, yeah, for, thanks having for having us. us. We'll be back with more Buffone 55 right after this. The Barroom Network presents two fired-up Bears fans. They are ready to rumble on the Bear Debate.
Welcome back to Buffon 55. It's time to go down into Buffon's basement. That's whenever we dust off that old relic we call Aldo Gandia, who's working the board behind the scenes. Aldo, I think we have a better understanding of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Jordan and Morgan were very kind to give us hope. Do you have as much hope that we could go in there? Maybe not as much, but but I do think, you know, the the season is long. And just when you think, you know, you have no hope at all, all of a sudden a a football team will surprise you. So we'll see. I mean, we clearly got a good indication that the Steelers team, despite their winning streak, is not operating on all cylinders and has uh, some issues. So, you know, uh, we all thought that this was going to be a win uh, after week three, and it's possible that it still can be. But, you know, you've got to wonder about the uh, heart of this team when you're seeing the defense being pushed five yards into the end zone uh, by an offensive line uh, of the San Francisco 49ers, then you've got to wonder if the will of this team is what it has been in the past. And so that's my biggest concern right now. Alyssa, do you feel any better, worse, kind of the same? Because I'm kind of unwavering at this point. No one can talk me into a Bears win or talk me out of a Bears win. How do you feel? Yeah, I mean, you, you got to ride with that. I mean, that's yeah. July. It's been, it's been a while. I mean, I know like Morgan and Jordan were like doing their best to really make us feel confident or like feel that this that they don't think it's an easy win, which I mean, is kind of reassuring. But at the same time, given what we've seen over the last few weeks with this team, it's just like really hard to believe that they can go out there on a primetime stage where they normally have just kind of been a complete disaster. It feels like every time they're on national television, whether it's a late game against the Buccaneers, right? Or if it's on Sunday night or Monday night or Thursday night, like they just kind of just completely collapse. Like they completely forget how to play football. So, I mean, there are, I mean, never say never. And I haven't made my prediction yet. It's going to be on Bears Wire on uh, Friday or Saturday. So I still got a little time to think cliffhanger i know you're gonna have to stay tuned for that uh (laughs) but at this point i don't really know where i i kind of have an idea of where i might be leaning but do you look at this team and i mean i'm hoping that the offense can continue to kind of take a step forward but it's going to be difficult especially against that steelers pass rush we've seen this bears offensive line they're okay at best so i mean they're really going to have to do their job and i would like to kind of see more of what we saw from the Bears offense against the 49ers. I know when Matt Nagy is back on the sideline, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, I mean, I'm still not really too confident. <laughs> yeah, I'm picking them just because I've been picking them for months yeah. and months and months. So I, I will say 23-20 Bears. I'm going to get that prediction out of the way now. They win by Ooh, 20 let's points. Just say, oh, 23 points. 23. I'm going to say that oh, Pittsburgh my. misses a mi- <laughs> Pittsburgh misses a field goal to tie it late because they have a backup kicker in there because Chris Boswell got rocked last week. That's what I'm going to say. They, they, they miss a late field goal to tie. Bears get out of there with a three-point victory. But anyway, let's talk about a little of things that are a little more tangible. Let's talk about the trade deadline or in the lack of excitement around the trade deadline. Ryan Pace was going to have, what, an aggressive mindset? And then what, they signed somebody to their practice squad or something? That's basically what happened. Uh, so um, I, I think that um, a lot of Bears fans want wanted the bears to be sellers. They thought 
you know, there's a big debate about whether they should trade Allen Robinson. Should they ship out Akeem Hicks? Was Robert Quinn going to be on the block? Maybe one of the quarterbacks. Uh, although when it came down to it, it was hard to believe that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy would ship off all of their assets when they're protect they're potentially coaching for their lives. Mm. Uh, but would you have liked to see them ship somebody off? And would you have been angry if it would have been someone like Allen Robinson? I would have been uh, angry, maybe that's a good word, if Allen Robinson would have been traded simply because the Bears have no depth at wide receiver. So what are you going to do for poor Justin Fields? Have him throw to Darnell Mooney 50 times a game? Uh, the the All of these uh, depth receivers that the Bears picked up during the offseason – I, I've speculated that those guys were just kind of bodies for training camp. I had no idea that those were going to be the third, fourth, and fifth string wide receivers. So uh, I'm glad that A-Rob is going to stay around. I do anticipate that over the course of a 17-game season, he's finally going to get some chemistry going with um, with Justin Fields. And and so um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like – um, trading was too difficult for the Chicago Bears with the contracts they had, with the lack of depth that they had. How many games do you want them to lose this season? It's not going to help with, with, the, with the draft, given that they don't have a first-round pick. It would have been nice to pick up some additional picks, given we only have five next season, a second, a third, a fourth, and I think two-fifths or something like that. So, uh, you know... <sighs> The more and more we talk about the future of this team, the more and more I get depressed. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, forget about the immediate future, but when you start looking into uh, next season and, and the seasons beyond, it's a real tricky situation, and you're really going to need either Ryan Pace or the next general manager to perform some minor miracles to get this team back into contention. Alyssa, did you think there was anything the Bears could have done at the trade deadline that would have – appeased the uh, the fan base because it's almost like conflicting interests the fans want to look build to the future and the and the gm and the head coach uh they they want they want to win so is it kind of a conflict of interest <laughs> and yeah hey aldo marquise goodwin did have two receptions on sunday which is the same as alan yeah. robinson so yeah, like, aldo. number three Seven was a good win involved <laughs> Except Goodwin right now. Franchise tag. <laughs> no, but I did expect them to, I, or I wanted them to be sellers because, you know, when you look at where this team is now, they're just not very good and they are not going to be contenders, especially in an NFC that's just completely loaded. Like they, we thought maybe going eight and nine, maybe, or nine and eight would be enough to kind of get that seventh wild card spot. But, you know, I don't, I don't really think so. Like, I mean, it was weird because remember at this time last year or I think or before the trade deadline last year, there was talks about Allen Robinson being traded or, you know, and fans are just in an uproar. Right. And things have completely changed. There were more people willing to kind of see what you can get for a Rob. Right. Get some more draft capital, because like Aldo said, there's not a lot looking in for next year. But then when you look at the situation where Nagy and Pace are and it really doesn't make sense for them to sell, 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 because if they did then that would also, we talked about this last week, John, too, where it might even be an indication that their jobs might have been promised for next year, and that wouldn't be a good look either. Mm. So, I mean, at this point, they're fighting for their jobs. I mean, I didn't expect them to kind of trade away players that are going to help them get as many wins as possible to, you know, possibly save their jobs. But, 
I mean, it's just kind of crazy when you look at the difference in a year where the Allen Robinson trade rumors, it's just kind of insane. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a little, con- I'm conflicted on it because I understand that this, if I had to guess, it would be that Allen Robinson will probably not be back next year. That's at least my guess for a number of reasons. One, who is going to be the GM and the head coach next year? And it, and are they going to look at a 29-year-old Allen Robinson and say, we got to give this guy a four-year contract and we got to pay him $20 million a year whenever the cap situation is already kind of a mess on the defensive side of the ball? It's something that they're going to have to take into account. Also, is Allen Robinson really going to want to be in Chicago after seeing what his production has done this year? He's on pace for, what, half of what he did last year? So, so what – is he finally fed up with this franchise that wouldn't give him a contract he wanted last year? Franchise tagged him. He kind of did a minor kind of holdout, not really a full holdout, but kind of like waited a little bit to sign that tender, but finally did. Is he even going to want to come back next year? And I don't see the Bears using the franchise tag again because then they got to pay him, what, like $25 million or something of that nature, at least in that ballpark, I think. So uh, I just see that there's so many outlets that that he would not be here. There's more avenues that he won't return that I would have maybe thought about if someone says, we'll give you a second round pick for Allen Robinson. Then you get two, you got two seconds, which are still not as good as having a first round pick, but at least you have two relatively high picks on the flip side, much to your point, Aldo, you don't want to hamstring your rookie quarterback and your young quarterback with limited weapons. Was it Mitch Trubisky's first year where they had like Marcus Wheaton and Kendall Wright and Dontrell Inman? Yeah, that didn't help. They traded for Dontrell Inman. Uh, <laughs> that, that, didn't do, that didn't do anybody any good. So I understand not wanting to stifle the progress of your of your young quarterback. Charter. So maybe, uh, maybe I'm, yeah, maybe I'm just glad that I'm not the GM because I don't have to make those decisions. <laughs> but uh, but uh, they dug themselves into this hole so they can try to get themselves out of it. Um I do want to ask both of you something that was addressed on the B55 segment was with Matt Nagy being out with COVID, not being allowed to have any kind of impact on the game. Do you think that it was a coincidence that Justin Fields looked his best or was the looming cloud of Matt Nagy not being there? Did that allow Justin Fields to really be Justin Fields? And I I haven't really asked you about this yet, Aldo, and I kind of know Alyssa's answer, but I, I, I do want to get your thoughts on that. I do think, you know, (laughs) that clearly there is a style with Coach Matt Nagy, uh, his coaching style, that doesn't really sit well with Justin Fields. He's already indicated that Bill Lazor is a lot calmer in the headset. And just by judging from Justin Fields' demeanor, he's not a rah, rah, you know, high-fiving guy. He gets excited when something is – he does a tremendous play like that run for a touchdown. But he likes to maintain his composure, and I think that Nagy's absence Sunday against the 49ers, I think that was one of the reasons why Fields played so well. I also think, and I'm totally speculating here, that that pipeline of plays coming from the offensive coordinator coordinator who's up on a booth, coming all the way down to um, Justin Fields' ear, I think that there was uh, some in uh, no interruptions this week from Matt Nagy. And I think that that helped with the flow of play calling. Uh, and so there is something to say. The evidence is there that the further away that Matt Nagy is from game time decision making, that the Bears seem to do better. So, 
yeah, you know, I, I, it's really hard to convince me otherwise. And I wish somebody in the, in the bears hierarchy would come forward and share some more light on what's going on at Hallis hall. What's what goes on with the process of play calling, you know, and all of these uh, great reporters that we have in Chicago, and we have a lot of good ones. I'd love for them to dig in and get some inside information as to what's going on at Hallis hall. Because right now, my only guess is that Matt Nagy, uh, everything is pointing for him to be out because when he's around stuff, it's just not going well. Yeah, Alyssa, it seems like they he no longer the play caller. The Bears have a really good offensive performance. He's not in the stadium. Justin Fields looks the best he has all season. This can't just be a bunch of coincidences, I, I, I assume, is, uh, is your opinion. <laughs> Yeah, like we were talking about during the B55 segment. I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence at all. Like, and Aldo made some good points too about Fields' demeanor and how that kind of really fits, you know, the kind of like the kind of coach that Bill Lazor is, right? And the interruptions, like I mentioned that on another podcast where normal, I mean, I know Bill Lazor's calling plays, but you can't tell me Matt Nagy's not getting involved in there. And I mean, you kind of just saw how Fields just looks so much more calm and poised and confident and he could just go out there and just like play football which is something that he hadn't been able to do and you kind of look at I know that they did lose on Sunday but what would have happened if Matt Nagy was on the sideline how much worse would it have been how bad would the offense have been would it have been how much bad or how much worse would it have been so I mean I mean I feel like that's a good hey McCaskies look Look how Justin Fields, your shiny new franchise quarterback, looked without Matt Nagy kind of just, you know, standing on the sideline, you know, hunched over, just glaring at him. Like, just, I mean, you could tell that Fields and a lot of the, the, a lot of other players are just kind of much more calm, and they really didn't have to, to worry about Nagy, who kind of comes off as like a big control freak. Well, and that that goes into what I was kind of saying before the game, where if you're one of those percentage of of, uh, Bears fans who are rooting for the Bears to lose because you want Matt Nagy out of there so much, you actually were in in a in a win win situation for the first time in a long time. Because if they win, it makes Matt Nagy look bad. If they lose, okay, they're still losing, so they might get rid of Matt Nagy at the end of the season. So for the first time, it was like no matter what happens, you're happy. Now I'm not happy that they lost. I wanted him to win the game but that being said going into this game against the Steelers if they were to lose this game that's four in a row and then they'd be sitting at what three and six mm-hmm. although do you have that spaceship graphic we love yeah, so there much it there it is it's always ready to blast off <laughs> yeah so if you look at the little spaceships right there that shows that it's a prime time game but uh oh, God. we saw four of them <laughs> or, or yeah, what, three and then yeah. Thanksgiving Oh my God. Right. Yeah, Thanksgiving. So everyone, <laughs> so they get the they maybe they maybe can oh, beat the yeah. Lions. But so let's just say they lose in prime time against the Steelers. I'm gonna I think they're gonna win only because I they need to win. But uh, but if let's just say <laughs> the odds are against it. So if they lose against the Steelers, that's one, two, three. Was that four? That's four games in a row. Mm-hmm. They go into the bye week, which would be a, just a great time to make a coaching change, don't you yeah, think? Yeah. Uh, but then they go into Baltimore. Yeah. Okay, so then maybe they get shellacked by the Ravens, and then they got to go to Detroit on Thanksgiving. I know Detroit is not a good team. They also play hard for their coach. They know they're going to be on national TV. Probably they're the the last time they're going to be on TV, uh, national TV for the rest of the year. So you throw them on there. That's not going to be an easy game. Let's say they beat the Lions, though. So they, they beat the Lions. I think they lose to Arizona. 
depending on if Aaron Rodgers is back from COVID, uh, that he might be back for uh, week 14 at Lambeau. That's a loss. I think they split with the Vikings. They got to play them in prime time. Why are they in prime time? Uh, they're playing the, the Minnesota Vikings in prime time. That'll be a fun game. Uh, and then <laughs> Seattle uh, at Seattle. Uh, and then I think they, they can beat the Giants and um, they they have, have they finish off the season with the Vikings. So I'm thinking a potential one, two, three, four, five, six, six more losses. Uh, it is really possible, which would put them at, at what that would right now, three and five, there'd be 11. So that'd Correct. be what's that'd be six and 11. Mm-hmm. Well, what a time to not have your first round draft pick. Uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so you're looking at a potential six and 11 season, maybe a seven and 10. I thought they're, I really thought at the beginning of the season, their absolute ceiling was going to be eight and nine and if something fluky happened nine and eight and mm-hmm. they could maybe and maybe i don't know what happens at nine and eight but i don't see that anymore guys if they lose to the steelers that puts them on a four game losing streak mm-hmm. is there any possible chance because i think the see i think we would agree that the season's over at that point uh being at three and six would there be any possibility going into the bye week on a four game losing streak you're going in to play Baltimore, and let your last year you had a six-game losing streak. You have a four-game losing streak this year going into the bye, playing against a team that you're probably going to get smoked by. Any chance that they would make a change during the bye week? Any chance at all? I know the odds are probably against it, but what would you set the odds at, Aldo? Well, I think a lot depends on Ryan Pace. If Ryan Pace is coming back next season, then I can see them making a move during the bye week with the argument being Ryan wants to get a head start on uh, uh, looking for candidates and getting that whole thing together so they can announce a new coach as quickly as possible when the season ends. If Ryan Pace's job is on the line, then I don't see there anything being happening. In fact, uh, you know, we'd love to hear Ryan Pace talk at, at the bye week. I don't even think he'll, he'd do that. <laughs> He's going to go into hiding and uh, things are going to be the same. And we'll see some more ranting and raving here at, <laughs> at Buffon 55. So that's, I think that's the, kind of an accurate answer. The best that I can think of. What do you think, Alyssa? No, I think I think you summarized it right. And I mean, especially coming out of the bye week, and we know that I don't think Matt Nagy's ever won a game coming out of the bye week. I was just thinking. So, <laughs> yeah. and, and it doesn't help that you're facing Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. So I'm going to just kind of make a bold prediction and say they lose that one. Uh, so, I mean, woohoo. But no, no, Alden yeah. made a good point, too, about making the switch at the bye week or, or, or sorry, not making the switch, but firing Matt Nagy to give pace a head start to kind of do that, especially because wasn't there a new rule that said, I think it was uh, two weeks left in the season that they can start kind of really, you know, interviewing or, or get a head start. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that would make sense, right. And that would actually kind of encourage teams to fire their head coaches before black Monday. So, Interesting. I mean, I could, I could definitely see that happening and, and I mean, if they finish out the season, I, I I think they're both gone. I mean, we've been told, or I don't know if we've been told, but we've assumed that they're kind of, you know, joined at the hip, right? If if Nagy goes, Pace goes. But does he survive? I mean, because, you know, the McCaskies will look at, you know, that big state-of-the-art facility that he made and, oh, that potentially the new uh, stadium in Arlington Heights. You know, it's, I mean, I could go either way with Pace, but I do think that Nagy should, I think he'll be gone at some point. I mean, We'll see if it happens at the bye week. If so, man, 
all the rest of the season would be fun. <laughs> yeah, you like, know, for reporters like you, Alyssa, that'll be a blast. <laughs> you got yes, a lot yeah. of stuff to write about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and Aldo, to your point that you brought up yesterday on uh, DeBear Debate, talking about three GMs that took a while, they stuck with their teams, and they got it right. We're talking about the Cardinals, the Bucks, and the Chargers. Uh, Telesco in L.A., um, is it Kim in Arizona, and uh, uh, Jason, I can't say his name, it's Light, Jason Light, or uh, in, Light, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in, in Tampa. All three of those guys had losing records as GMs until they got the quarterback position right. And then also multiple coaching changes throughout their GM tenure. So if you look at the Cardinals, they started with Bruce Arians. He ended up retiring. They go get Steve Wilkes. That didn't work out. And then they got Cliff Kingsbury, who seems to be working out. They draft Kyler Murray a year after drafting Josh Rosen in the first round. But they finally got it right with the coach and the quarterback. The Tampa Bay Bucks. they started with uh, with uh, Light's tenure there. Got Lovey Smith. Didn't work out. Dirk Cutter. Didn't work out. Had to let go of Jameis Winston. That didn't work out. And then they bring in Bruce Arians and Tom Brady. That did work out. They won a Super Bowl. Then Telesco with the Chargers, his his, his reign started with Mike McCoy. Didn't work out. Anthony Lynn. Didn't work out. Drafted Justin Herbert. Did work out. And then brought in Brandon Staley. That is working out. So what you're seeing is three franchises who stuck with their GM but they were aggressive in making other changes. They changed the quarterback position and they changed the head coach where it eventually worked out. Would the Bears take a similar formula where it says, all right, we kind of hamstrung Ryan Pace with John Fox to begin with. So we'll race, the, we'll, we'll let him go with that one. We really whiffed on the Matt Nagy thing. So, okay, we kind of like how Pace is constructing the team though. Let's give him one more shot with Justin Fields and a new coach. I don't know if that because, like you said, Alyssa, the the assumption is the two go hand in hand, and if one goes, they both go. But maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe, maybe it is a Ryan Pace thing where it says we're going to give you a couple more years, but we're gonna we're gonna go get a new head coach, and we're gonna see what he can do with this with this quarterback. Um, so we'll see. I think that that's a, it's it's interesting to see what direction the Bears are gonna go. Either way, I think we're all in agreement that Matt Nagy should be gone at the end of the year. So <laughs> we'll, we we will see. Um, Let's talk about one other thing. The Bears do have a game against the Green Bay Packers week 14. I mentioned that we don't even know if Aaron Rodgers will be back yet because he tested positive for COVID, despite the fact that he said he was immunized, but not apparently he was not vaccinated. He tried to get a, uh, I guess, a different, uh, an exception by the NFL that, that he he would got uh, an, an immunity thing with his doctor or he got the uh, some kind of treatment that could act in place of the vaccine. Um now there's there's talking about whether or not he lied, and they're going to be. I assume there's going to be some kind of internal investigation, some sort of NFL investigation. We don't have a lot of the details yet. This this kind of just broke today. Uh, but what are the what do you think there could be a fallout from this if if Rogers lied or uh, or if you want to talk about more you know nuts and bolts football, what does it mean if Aaron Rodgers isn't around for a couple of weeks for, with uh, with the Green Bay Packers? Go ahead, Alyssa, you first. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I think the Bears would stand a better chance to beat the Packers, but it doesn't (laughs) help that it's in Lambeau. I mean, it would be a – wouldn't that be great if just like the the last time that the Bears had to face him was that? Because I don't want to hear when they have to play the Packers again. You know they're going to play that I still own you clip a billion times, and I'm going to be like, oh, my goodness. So 
I mean, that, that's interesting that you mentioned that with um, that they're going to be looking into it because already he's obviously going to miss the Chiefs game and then potentially the Seahawks game, which looks likely because the earliest he could return would be next Saturday mm-hmm. before that Week Ten game. So, I mean, because there were reports of him just you know not following protocol, right? You know, he was follow- for an unvaccinated player and the Packers knowing about it, and you know They'll I think it'll be really fine. interesting to see what they do. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it'll probably be a fine. Like, I, I don't think Ugh. that I don't I, I don't anticipate Aaron Rodgers being suspended or, you know, not being on a, I, I just I just I can't I can't anticipate that just because I don't know because I don't know what the I I'm not a scholar of what the NFL protocol really is. If he was lying, then I assume that's that they could they could punish the Packers. I don't know if they can punish the individual for a player not following protocol once again. I don't know, so I'm, I can't speak to what I think is actually going to happen. Uh, Aldo, what do you make of all this? Well, uh, f- first of all, I, I, he asked the NFL if the homeopathic medication that he took would suffice for being vaccinated. He was told by the NFL no, and even though he knew that, he told reporters at Green Bay, in Green Bay that he had been immunized. And so you could you could say that he lied. In addition to that, what makes him look even worse is that he went on to say, there's guys on the team that haven't been vaccinated. I think it's a personal decision. I'm not going to judge those guys. So it, that to me sounds like something a narcissist would say. You know, we know what's, that Aaron Rodgers, particularly over the last two years, He's displayed behavior that makes him seem higher than mighty. He wants to make decisions like general managers do. He wants to be paid more than anybody else over and over and again. And I have a lot of respect for Aaron Rodgers, the football player, but my respect for him as an individual, a human being is dissipating quickly based on what I'm learning just about this issue alone. And then you add on everything else that's happened. He thought that he was going to be the next Jeopardy host. He thought that was kind of a given, you know, and it, it just this guy's ego is bigger than the state of Wisconsin. And, uh, and I'm not, again, I'm not saying this because of the bears Packers rivalry. I'm just saying, it about a football player who I admire the way he plays the game, but the person is, yuck. and so I guess that being said, how excited would you be if he does land with the Steelers next year? <laughs> Very, <laughs> uh, I'd rather see him host my favorite game show. Jeopardy. You want to see him? You want to see? You want to see him every night? Is that you want to see him every night? Oh no! No, no I'd stop watching it. It's, it's, it's <laughs> become addictive. I don't want to watch it anymore. So put him on. No, no, I, I, I don't uh, know. You know, he could go play anywhere else. I frankly, the, what I would love most of for, is for him to stay at Green Bay and for the Bears to ru- routinely kick his ass. What's your second favorite thing that you want? <laughs> well, it can't be the Steelers. That's my brother's favorite team. So there's yeah. no way I, I I wouldn't hear the end of that. So send, that would be just like this. That would be a Steelers thing to just like leave Ben Roethlisberger leaves and you fall into Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, right. <laughs> what's, the, what's the worst team in the NFL? Uh, whatever team that is, that's who I want to, want to see. What's the Lions? You don't want to get the him Lions. out of the division, Otto. Send him to the Texans. Although. <laughs> 
Although it could be a you know Deshaun Watson for an Aaron Rodgers swap in the offseason. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> and I would oh, like man. to ask Alyssa uh, a question with uh, all her sources and knowledge. What's the deal with Matt Nagy? Because it, what, is he lying to about his vaccination? Because this thing shouldn't if if he was vaccinated, shouldn't if he had shouldn't he have had a, a couple of positive tests by now? I mean, you make a good point. Because uh, when you look, but then you have like Robert Quinn, who he's vaccinated and he also kind of missed about the same time. I mean, I guess it just depends on, you know, how your body battles the virus. And I see. I think when did he, when, when did he test positive? Monday. So that would have been like Monday. seven days or six. Well, remember, he'd have to have two negative tests 24 hours apart. Right. And I don't, he, he hasn't, I know they haven't, obviously it's a Monday night game, so there hasn't been a press conference yet. So I mean, I guess we'll see tomorrow if he's back at the facility or. Yeah, that's going to be a big tell. If he's not at the facility yeah. uh, tomorrow, yeah. there's a chance he might miss Monday night's yeah. an outside chance, but it's possible. They, they got to travel yeah. one of these days, I assume. So, I mean, it's, right. you got a travel day and the Monday night game does help because it gets you an extra day, but they're on the road. So uh, we'll, we'll see. It's not it's not exactly like they're going. They're not going against. They're not going across the world. They're just going to Pittsburgh. And I, I assume he could probably take his own flight if he tested positive on Monday morning. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, there's a lot of things that still need uh, shook out from that. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I do want to read this question in the chat room. Would it surprise you guys if Philip leaves and Pace takes his job? And we get a new GM and a coach uh, that would be for the Bears. Although, didn't you make up this theory once that they were going to elevate Pace to some kind of football president and then they're going to bring, gonna bring in a GM? Yeah, I didn't come up. I, that's not my original thought. I, I saw it somewhere because the, the the thinking is is that Ryan Pace has was given the uh, the responsibility of the renovation of Hallis Hall, $100 million, right? So maybe he's being mentored to be Ted Phillips' replacement. And Ted Phillips, who's in his mid-60s now, maybe he's eyeing retirement. And so this whole Arlington Parks, uh, Park uh, uh, Stadium thing, it, it, it could be that Ryan Pace is going to move into that business decision and work with the NFL on TV contracts, work with the stadium, rebuild all those high level executive things and make millions of dollars doing that. And that he would then hire the next GM and then we would be in purgatory for another 25 years. <laughs> well, you had me for a, for a minute there. Um, <laughs> the more I thought about it, the more I thought maybe this is a bad idea. He'd be hiring really the GM. Just, you, 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 <laughs> actively talked yourself out of that while you were actually discussing it that's exactly good. what happened good well is, is it a terrible oh god i hate it uh, is it a terrible idea if they actually have some a football person as the president or uh, the in charge of football operations is it actually a really bad idea if he does take over that role and then they finally have a football person maybe making football decisions when it comes to personnel and stuff like that would it be the worst thing in the world? Now I know that you know Ryan Pace has a lot of uh, has a lot of strikes against him as far as the Bears GM, but I would you would you rather would you rather say Ryan Pace is going to hire the new GM or Ted Phillips is going to hire the new GM? Who do you trust more? Pace. Yeah. Pace. Yeah. No. Or I, or a uh, a third party consultant firm. Yeah, but they usually do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if they do that again, I, I'm I'm I might be out of here. I'm, I'm, uh, we'll call this thing the the, the barroom network, but we'll be talking about liquor the entire time. <laughs> oh, yeah, <I'm> this, <laughs> yeah. 
this will just be Buffon five because that's the only I'm going to spend five seconds on each one of these damn things. If that's oh my not. gosh! No, 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 no! Go to them. You could do. You could do a shot for every one of the questions. <laughs> oh, why don't we? Yeah. Let's see if we can kill me. Good idea. But it is interesting that you know he could be that missing link that fans have been crying that we need a football person in charge, you know, to be the president of of the entire thing. And so, listen, you know, I truly believe that people get better. uh, Most people get better at what they do. And uh, you can't, you've got to give Ryan Pace an A plus for the maneuverings he made to acquire Justin Fields. That, whereas the Mitchell Trubisky thing, at the time I gave him an F, you know, moving up one slot and, and giving out all those draft assets to pick a guy who probably would have been available. And if not, you had other good first round candidates available. So he's he's doing some things better. And if he remains with the team and he fires Matt Nagy, then I'm going to continue to say, yeah, he seems to be getting better. <laughs> he's correcting mistakes, right? So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's nothing to say that you can't keep getting better. Maybe he's a uh, what do they call a late bloomer uh, when it comes to these things. So uh, it's very it's very possible. Uh, we'll see. I, I, it's it's crazy that there's this much that needs to be shook out, and we're still there's so much uncertainty around the franchise, not just from a personnel uh, you know a player perspective, but the front office perspective uh, and all this other stuff that needs to be taken care of. At some point, I mean, it feels like we just keep kicking the can down the road and saying, you know what, we'll just we'll just go with uh, we'll, we'll just go with uh, Matt Nagy and Ryan for one more year because we don't really want to deal with this. Uh, so hey, you want, I you don't care, know. You care to respond to this one? I want to see John after some drinks on the show. It would be <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't I bring enough energy as it is, Chris? <laughs> don't you get enough from me? They just always they always want more. <laughs> yeah, that that would that things would go off the rails very quickly as far as timing and the 55 seconds i'd be going on for 55 minutes and you wouldn't be able to stop we wouldn't even be broad we wouldn't even be broadcasting at that point i'd just be shouting at a blank screen that's right but probably time for us to just go ahead and round out this let's let's head on out before we before we head out i do want to make sure everyone's aware of all the great programming we got here on the barroom network we talked about last week or i should say just a couple of segments ago to bear debate every tuesday tyler ellis and i we go back and forth on 10 of the hottest topics revolving around the Chicago Bears. We had a great episode last night breaking down all of the good, the stuff around the Chicago Bears. We got into some heated arguments. We got into some good discussions. And we had a lot of laughs along the way, too. That was a really fun show. Uh, of course, Mike North uh, always has an opinion on just about everything. You can't miss the can't miss Mike North. Uh, also, um, Danny Shimon breaking down the tape of the Chicago Bears. An X and O guy. If you like the more technical stuff to see what the Bears did right, see what they did wrong. That's the show for you. Also, Dan and Aldo with a raw approach to the Chicago Bears. Love that stuff. Greg Gabriel, obviously, former pro scout, breaking down everything the Chicago Bears do. You can catch that the day after the game. I believe that'll be on Tuesday next week, Aldo, because the Bears play on Monday night. So That's correct, uh, yes. So you, you're going to want to you want to tune in that. Also, tune in to the one that just went out on Monday. Understand what the Bears did right and what his analysis is on that. And, of course, Bear football directly after the Bears game, raw emotions from myself, Aldo, and Tyler Ellis. Always a very loud and entertaining time. So make sure you tune in. All There's so many Bears programs on the Barroom Network, you're never going to find anything that's stale. We got new stuff all <laughs> the freaking time. We got all of your Bears coverage right here. Alyssa, what do you got? 
<laughs> well, make sure that you fire all, or follow all of the Wire Networks, especially because Jordan is joining Steelers Wire. I'm super excited to have her on board uh, the network. Uh, and follow, obviously follow Bears Wire. Stay up to date with, up to date with all the news happening uh, leading up to this Monday night game. And let me add that the best way to stay informed about all of the great things happening here at the Bar Room is to follow us on social media at Barroom Network, and you can find us all across social media, whether that's Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube. Another big thanks to Jordan DeFigio and Morgan Erzo from the Yinzers podcast, breaking down the Steelers. Really appreciate them. A very entertaining, very informative. Uh, so this is going to ring it up. Guys, this is the last time you're probably going to see me until after the Bears game where I'm going to be in Heinz Field. So wish me luck. Wish the Bears luck. Say a prayer, good thoughts, whatever vibes you want to send my way. Please I'm going to be in enemy John. territory. Yes, win one for John, just once. This, is all this one's for one. John. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're going to be yelling that as they run back into the locker room. They're going to be pointing at me up in my seat. Like, we did it for you, man, and I'm, and I'm going to be very appreciative. Matt Nagy's going to come up and fist bump me. I might, <laughs> I might pour a soda on him on the way out. <laughs> but uh, that will do it for this edition of Buffone 55. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether it's your first time or 55th time, whether it's the live version, the podcast version, the video version, or the audio version. We appreciate each and every one of you. But that will do it for us. Enjoy the game, everybody. For Alyssa Barbieri and Aldo Gondia, I'm John Buffone. We'll see you next time.